Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. In this week's Science Revolution, concerning news that we may have hit a tipping point for methane in the Arctic, Professor Richard Wolf drops by to discuss a pandemic tax to help fund the COVID-19 recovery for the common good. Kevin Camps of Beyond Nuclear visits to connect the FBI raids of the Ohio House Speaker to the billion-dollar bailout of two very dangerous age-degraded nuclear power plants. And in Geeky Science, there's a new study out about how sitting confuses your body's fat or fit system. Stay tuned. The southernmost continent on Earth is Antarctica. Most people don't even think of it as a continent, but it is. It's a huge landmass. It's about the size of the United States or of Australia. And complete with mountain ranges and giant glaciers and all this kind of stuff. And it's been relatively stable for the last 15,000 years and perhaps much longer than that. I know they're pulling ice cores out of there that are three, four, five hundred thousand years old. But now they're noticing a problem. This is in McMurdo Sound. It's an area known as cinder cones in the Ross Sea. They are finding methane bubbling up from the floor of the ocean to the surface and breaking the surface. Now, back a few decades ago, a couple of scientists came up with this doomsday theory about why 97% of all life on Earth went extinct during the Permian mass extinction 250 million years ago. At this one particular point in time, there was this gradual increase in CO2 levels that was the result of some really aggressive volcanic activity in an area now known as the Siberian Traps. And the atmospheric CO2 levels or atmospheric carbon levels, CO2, methane, and other things associated with that, were steadily climbing over thousands of years as this massive lava eruption just was continuously pouring out lava. And then a tipping point was hit, and suddenly the CO2 levels just exploded, or the carbon levels in the atmosphere just exploded, and the temperature just exploded. And we saw this very sudden, you know, it went to half a degree, one degree, one and a half degrees, two degrees, two and a half degrees, three degrees, over 10,000 years. And then all of a sudden, in a few hundred years, it went zoom right up to five or six degrees Celsius increased temperature, which was enough to kill 97% of all life on Earth. We literally rebooted life. There were a few small mammals left. A few small animals, for that matter. I mean, this is what gave birth to the dinosaurs, for that matter. There were some small lizards, too. And they evolved into dinosaurs. This is this major, major event. And what these scientists concluded, and it's still this is still debated in, in science, but you know what they concluded is that that was the point at which hundreds of millions of tons of methane gas that had been frozen on the surface of the ocean melted. 
The methane freezes along with water at the same time, and it forms these crystals called methane clathrates or methane hydrates that are methane bound up in a little lattice of frozen ice, of frozen H2O molecules. So it's like trapped in these little tiny cages of ice. And when that ice melts, the methane is released and it goes up into the atmosphere. Now, this is all methane that was produced by bacteria digesting plant matter, but it was bacteria digesting plant matter over literally a billion years, or maybe hundreds of millions of years. And it had settled in the floor of the ocean, and when the oceans warmed up as a result of this gradual increase in carbon levels from the volcanic activity, at some point, the ocean got warm enough and the warmth got deep enough in the ocean. Most of these clathrates are within a half a mile to a mile of the edge of a continent, including the continent of Antarctica. And they're not at deep depths. They're typically within a few hundred feet of the surface. And so when that water warms above 32 degrees, boom, they get liberated. They come into the surface. And when it happens, planet-wide, that's the clathrate gun being fired, and that leads to a mass extinction event that kills off almost everything. And what scientists have been saying is, well, you don't have to worry about that. That's not going to happen here right now because most of the methane clathrates around the world are stable, particularly the ones around Antarctica, which are some of the most ancient and well-established beds of methane hydrate, methane clathrates. Well, now The Guardian is reporting this. Andrew Thurber at Oregon State University found a methane leak in a region known as cinder cones in McMurdo Sound within the Ross Sea. In addition, the microbes which typically digest the methane as it's working its way up through the water, as it's bubbling up through the water, it actually gets eaten by microbes, and so it never bursts into the atmosphere, so it's not that much of a problem. Well, that's how it's been playing out when I was in Norway two years ago when we were shooting for Ice on Fire the Leo DiCaprio movie. When we were in Norway shooting on this, I was talking with these scientists at this scientific institution that looks into methane specifically. That's all they look at. And they were like, well, so far it's not that much of a crisis because the methane isn't making its way to the surface because the microbes get it. Well, these microbes are not getting it around Antarctica. And apparently it's because the water's so cold. So this, if not the firing of the clathrate gun, and I'm not suggesting that that's what this is, this might be an early warning. And the question is, is this a 10-year early warning, a 50-year early warning, a 100-year early warning? I don't think anybody knows, but it's something that we all need to know about. And frankly, something we all need to do something about by way of stopping carbon pollution into our atmosphere by the fossil fuel billionaires around the planet. Kevin Camps is with us, our old buddy with Beyond Nuclear. Kevin Camps is the nuclear waste specialist at beyondnuclear.org. You can tweet him at Beyond Nuclear. And Kevin, I see that there was this raid. In fact, the story made the press yesterday, as I recall, maybe the day before. And it was the speaker, the Republican speaker of the Ohio House of Representatives, was busted by federal agents in a $60 million bribery scheme. And I thought, okay, it's just another corrupt Republican, and then you reached out to us and said, no, there's a little bit more to the story. Tell us about that. Well, this is the biggest bribery and money laundering scheme in Ohio history, according to the U.S. attorney who held the press conference 
And a big part of the story is that it secured for First Energy Nuclear a bailout to the tune of $1.5 billion at the expense of Ohio ratepayers to prop up two dangerously age-degraded atomic reactors, Davis-Bessey and Perry, on the Lake Erie shoreline in northern Ohio. So let me get this straight. The company that owns the nuclear reactors gave a $60 million bribe to the Republican Speaker of the House in Ohio to get a billion-dollar subsidy, basically, a bailout or whatever you want to call it, to get a billion dollars. Invest $60,000, get back a billion dollars. That seems pretty good investment until the police find out, I suppose. Yep, almost all of every penny of the $61 million came from First Energy Nuclear, and it was used by this gentleman, Larry Householder, the Speaker of the House, to attain the Speaker of the House position in the first place by supporting, in a big way, the campaigns of 21 legislators in primaries in the general election in 2018. A big part of the money he simply put in his pocket, as well as his uh, staffers and the lobbyists he was working with, put it in their pockets. And they also used the money. In the end, they had to defend their bogus bill that they rammed through the Ohio State House against a citizen petition drive that was going to put it on this year's ballot, a referendum to override this bad law, this bailout. And they used tens of millions of dollars to run TV ads, radio ads, to send flyers to every household in the state. And it was a scandalous PR campaign because they were blaming the Chinese Communist Party for trying to take over the electric grid of Ohio. Don't sign these petitions. And when even that didn't work, they got ugly in the streets. There was physical violence in the streets against petition gatherers. And all of this was funded by the multimillionaires who own and run and the billionaires who own and run this nuclear power plant. And they didn't just buy the Speaker of the House. They also bought, what, 22 House seats, did you say? Yeah, it was a total of 21 House seats. And all of them voted for Householder to be Speaker. And then all but one of them voted in favor of this bailout. So it's like, let's buy ourselves a Congress, then let's buy ourselves a speaker, then let's buy ourselves some legislation. And still, you know, $60 million investment, billion-dollar return. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. So we've got these two aging nuclear power plants in Ohio. How bad are they? Is that billion dollars going to offer any repair to these facilities? Or, I mean, what's what kind of danger do they represent to the citizens of Ohio? And frankly, to all, I mean, everybody on Lake Erie, that includes Canada, if I'm remembering my geography right, as well as parts of Michigan. Many millions of people downstream of these sites on the Great Lakes and many millions more downwind. Not one penny of the $1.5 billion bailout is going towards maintenance or repairs or safety fixes or securing the high-level radioactive waste. In fact, what the money's been used for thus far is stock buybacks to enrich the shareholders and to enrich executives. And speaking of the stock price, it has plummeted more than 30% the last time I checked since the news broke about these FBI raids and arrests. Yeah. That is mind-boggling. So where does this go? I mean, are any of these members of the Ohio House of Representatives who were bought and paid for by this nuclear power company, are any of them going to lose their jobs? I guess we'll see. A really high priority for the environmental movement of Ohio and beyond is to repeal House Bill 6, this $1.5 billion bailout, and also Mm -hmm. to block a new, even worse, pro-nuclear bill 
ironically called the Anthem Act. I can't remember what the acronym stands for. It's House Bill 106, I believe, and it is a bigger giveaway of Ohio taxpayer and Ohio ratepayer money to build a new generation of reactors, so-called small modular reactors and advanced nuclear reactors, and even reprocessing, for goodness sakes, in Ohio. It's insane. Right. It sounds like it. Kevin, what can people do who want to become activists around this issue? Well, check out our website, www.beyondnuclear.org, and I'll put the latest news about this scandal in Ohio up there, a similar scandal in Illinois, a similar scandal in South Carolina. The nuclear industry is showing its true colors right now, and we need folks' help to stop it because they are going for broke. They are bribing legislators all over the country. It's insane. Kevin Camps with Beyond Nuclear. Thanks for dropping by, Kevin. Great talking with you. Thank you, Tom. On the line with us is Professor Richard Wolf, the economist, co-founder of democracyatwork.info, author of numerous books, his most recent, Understanding Socialism, and rdwolf with two fs.com, also one of his websites. You can tweet him at profwolf, as in Professor Wolf. Oxfam America has just come out and called for a tax on pandemic profiteers. There's a whole bunch of corporations that are making more money than, than before. Kind of shades of, was it Nixon or Carter who had the windfall profits tax on oil producers back during the Arab oil embargo? Yeah, this is an old idea. It's gone by the name of windfall profits, excess profits, a variety of terms. We've done that in the United States, World War One and Two, and so forth. So there's precedent for it. The basic idea is simple. If the nation faces a catastrophic emergency, like a war, let alone a world war, or you might say like a pandemic happening together with an economic crash like we're going through now, that that ought to be a good enough reason to say to businesses, we will not bother you about the profits you've been earning. But if during a time of national catastrophe, where we need resources to deal with overcoming the problem and the crisis, any extra profit you make should be taxed away and used by the government to fight the pandemic, to fight the unemployment, to fight the war, whatever the crisis was. We know, for example, that all kinds of companies, through nothing of their own, just sitting there with manna from heaven falling on them because we can't go to a store, we have to order the stuff delivered, because we can't uh, go to a restaurant, we have the food delivered, and so on. All kinds of businesses are making excess profits, way more than they did before. United Health of the day reported record profits. Why? Because people are so strapped for money that they can't afford to see the doctor or the hospital or the clinic because the deductible or the copay is simply more than they want now to risk, or they're afraid of catching COVID at any of these institutions. So the premiums have been rolling in to United Health, health insurance company, but they're not having to pay out anything because no one's going to the doctor or the hospital, giving us the additional crazy statistic that in the middle of a medical emergency, nurses and doctors Doctors are being laid off around the country, which is the case. So in any case, for all of these reasons, it has been thought reasonable, fair, and prudent to take whatever increase in profits companies make 
because of and on top of a national crisis and use them to fight and end that crisis for everybody's sake, rather than to allow the uh, profits of people already making good money to become even larger while we have millions of people unemployed, etc. Yeah, if I'm remembering my history right, Franklin Roosevelt gave a speech as we were heading into World War II, essentially saying that I will not allow one person to become a millionaire as a result of our current emergency, you know, the World War II. And he created a congressional commission in the Senate to investigate war profiteering. And the guy who was in charge of that was Harry Truman. Am I remembering that correctly? This was, and then he, Truman became his VP the next time around? This was when Henry Wallace was his VP? I don't remember whether that was Truman or not, but I do remember, mm -hmm. and I can certainly corroborate your memory about what Roosevelt did. Let me tell you what he did, because it'll drive the point home in another kind of way. It's 1942, and he sends a message to the, uh, to the Congress saying, at this is a time of war, it is not reasonable for me to ask millions of American men and women to lay down their lives to fight a war while other people not taking any comparable risk are becoming rich off of the very war that threatens them. And therefore, I propose, and this he did as a sitting president, I propose that we have a 100% top rate of income tax. Anyone earning, this is the proposal at that time, anyone earning $25,000 or more because that was the highest uh, bracket that they had then. And by the way, it'd be about uh, what? Uh, three, $400,000 in today's money? That's right. Be about $400,000 right now if you adjust it for changing prices. So anyone who earned over $25,000 as of 1942, said President Roosevelt, should be taxed at 100%. In effect, he was saying for the duration of the war, of the national crisis catastrophe, nobody would be allowed to become richer off of the sacrifices of men and women in uniform, etc., etc. And he sent that message to the Congress. The Republicans went ballistic, as you might imagine. But after all the yelling and so forth subsided, they did pass a bill, and Roosevelt signed it, and the highest bracket for Americans to think about that was agreed to by both parties, 94%. Every dollar that a rich person earned over 25000 per year was 94 cents of that dollar had to be sent to Uncle Sam to pay for the war, and only six cents could be kept by that wealthy person. And yes. there was a consensus across the country that was a good thing, and to a large extent that tax rate stayed in place until Lyndon Johnson dropped it down to 74 percent in 19, what was it, 67, as I recall. Um, right. It's important it, to it, remind Americans, and particularly our politicians, that the president who put a maximum income into effect, a proposal of 100 percent tax, was shortly after that the recipient of an award that we have given to no other person, namely the most popular president in the United States, re-elected three times. Because of policies like that, it's not a recipe for political disaster. It's literally the opposite. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. 
I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In this week's Geeky Science... Gretchen Reynolds writing for the New York Times, the headline, The Lightness of Being a Couch Potato May Work to Keep Us Fat. And for some time, researchers have tried to figure out why is it that people, or for that matter, mammals in general, gain weight? And what does that have to do with exercise? And the assumption had always been that the more we exercise, the more we burn calories, and the more we burn calories, the less the fat accumulates on our body. And it's just a very, very simple math formula. Eat more calories than you burn, and you gain weight. Eat fewer calories than you burn, and you lose weight. And there's some demonstrated truth to all of that. But where it gets really interesting is the scientists were positing that there was this particular type of bone cell a cell in our bones, one of the osteoblasts of some kinds, some kind of bone cell. And maybe this is built into, you know, all bone cells. Again, this is a brand new area of research that they're just starting to tap into. And that these bone cells may act as gravitometers, that they measure the effect of gravity on us. Now, there's something else, you know, that you probably have in your home that measures the effect of gravity on you. It's called a scale. Your weight is a measurement, a specific measurement of the impact of gravity on the mass of your body. And so they were thinking, well, maybe these cells are involved in some sort of a feedback loop with the body where when the body thinks it weighs less than it does, it gains weight. And when the body knows exactly how much it weighs, it loses weight if it weighs too much. So they took a bunch of rats that had been bred to be overweight And so these were like normally, naturally obese rats. And they put lead pellets under their skin. The lead was coated in plastic, so it wasn't toxic. But it weighed down the rats. And what they found was over the course of a few weeks, the rats lost weight, lost fat, 
until their weight was back where it was before they put the pellets in, which was that normal for which they had been bred. Even though it was obese, it was their normal. You know, they would grow to a certain size and then they would stop before the pellets. You add the pellets, that certain size becomes somewhat smaller. But they're the same weight. And then they took the pellets out and the rats regained the weight. So somehow the rats' bodies were sensing exactly what their weight was and knew what their weight should be. So then they thought, okay, does this apply to people? So for this study, this was a three-week study. This was just published in eClinical Medicine. They recruited 69 overweight adults, and instead of inserting lead pellets, they had them wear weighted vests. And these vests represented 11% of the person's body weight. So somebody weighed 150 pounds, well, let's say 200 pounds, the vest would be 22 pounds, right? And they wore them throughout the day. But they didn't change their diet, they didn't change their lifestyle, they didn't have to do anything other than wear these vests. And what they found was that after three weeks, the average weight loss was three pounds. Now that's not the 11% of body weight, but that is moving in the right direction. You know, which just opens all kinds of interesting, you know, you've seen these one pound wrist weights that people wear when they jog and things like that. That may have that consequence. But also they said the, the biggest aha out of all of this is that the only way that our bone cells that measure our weight can know what our weight actually is, is when we stand up and walk around, when all of our weight is put on our long bones. And when we sit, our weight is not on our legs, it's not on the long bones, and so our body doesn't realize what our weight is, so it will try to add weight. Particularly if we sit in easy chairs leaning back, then you're distributing your weight over an even larger area, so your body thinks that you weigh even less than you do, so it will even more aggressively try to add weight, or try to add fat to bring up the weight. And so the simple solution that they think, they think, this is not conclusive, but they believe that this research points to, is that if you just get up and walk around a little bit every hour, like you know your watch, if you have one of these smart watches, they have this built into them in many cases, the body will more appropriately sense your weight and regulate itself to a healthier weight. It's just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page.